Hello. And welcome to Pop-Tarts. Be me, me, me. The Diet Coke just arrived. Count the cards. Because I feel your pain. So it's sort of like Pictionary with a ghost. Dead people. Just everywhere. I want to know if Irv is my child. I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine in Brooklyn, New York. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And you're all going to be very excited when you learn who is joining us this evening. Jessica Lanyato is an Oakland-based astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator with over 20 years consulting experience. She is currently on tour with her new book, Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along, and her super popular astrology and advice show, Ghost of a Podcast, is the place to get astrological advice through your headphones with thousands of listeners each week. Her advice is always kind, non-judgmental, open-minded, and insightful. And when it comes to planets and how they align, she really knows her stuff. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much. And thank you for that lovely intro. You're so welcome. So let's start at the beginning. How did you discover that you were a psychic medium and how did you develop that gift? I had a weird route to realizing I was a psychic medium. I don't know that there's like a non-weird route exactly, <laughs> but um, I was a practicing astrologer um, with a, you know, a thriving consulting practice for many years. In the course of it, people would tell me that they thought I was psychic. They would ask me to talk to their dead relatives, and I would tell them that those things weren't possible because I didn't think they were possible. And I would tell them that I couldn't, and they'd usually be, but I believe in you, please try. And I'd be like, well, I really don't think it's possible, but I will try. And then I would be accurate. And I just thought it was a fluke or it was like one of those, like the butter melts before the toast is warm moments. Um, and I just kind of like let it pass for years until it stopped being something I could explain away. Uh, the psychic stuff first. And then very quickly after that, um, dead people just everywhere. Um, and it became kind of chaotic in my life, actually. And mm -hmm. I had to, um, make a lot of choices. I, the most notable from my perspective was I had to stop smoking weed, ash, whatevs. Um, and I kind of changed my life really dramatically to accommodate this, I mean, gift, skill, whatevs. Um, and I did. And then I just, the way I cultivated it really was just being right with myself and being more present with others. Um, I'm kind of what's called, a, somebody told me this term very recently, a natural medium. Um, so I didn't do any training, um, certainly nothing formal. Mm -hmm. and, and what ages were you first when, when you stopped explaining it away and then when you started making real changes in your life as a result? It was in my early 30s. I can't exactly remember the year, but it was definitely somewhere around 33. Mm-hmm somewhere around there yeah and it was kind of like i look back and i'm like oh it happened in this like little straight line but it really didn't feel that way at the time and i needed to have such dramatically obvious experiences to believe it and and i and i had some really dramatic experiences that were just so there was no way of explaining it 
Um, so uh, I had a client who came to me because her mother was in spirit, was passed away, dead. I, I tried, you know, I mean, people have different language for it. Um, and she wanted to connect with her mom. And this woman was much older than me. Um, I think she must have been in her 70s at the time. Anyways, and so her mom came through and was like, okay, have you talked to Uncle Jojo? That's Do you not a see thing. them or you just hear them? Excellent question. So I don't see them with my eyes, but I do see them. So like just a vision kind of. The best way I can describe it, and you're gonna have to bear with me, it's gonna seem like I'm taking you in a circle. Uh, did you ever uh, see the, listen to the song, Stairway to Heaven? Yes. Led Zeppelin? Yes. You're my people, okay. When I say Stairway to Heaven, you have a visual of the album cover, you have a visual of a period of your life. You probably have a little, a little bit of that song in your head. So you're hearing and you're seeing. And that, I w it works good with Beyonce too, because she's I so visual. Get it. It's like, did you read that article that was going around about how people don't have an inner monologue, and then some people just like visualize things instead? So it's sort of it's, that it's fucking a, blew my yeah, mind. Yeah, it's in the vein of that. I, I didn't read it, but my partner told me about it because I do both, which maybe isn't surprising because I'm psychic. Um, yeah, I do both but, too. I can like see things. Yeah, how it would be set up, and I also talk to myself. I think a lot of people do both, but maybe the most people don't. Yeah. Right. You know, just like most things like that. But yeah, it's like that. It's you're not I'm not hearing with my ears. I'm not seeing with my eyes, but I am hearing and I am seeing. And the dead will often present. The way things look, sometimes it's very literal and sometimes it's um, they show me things that I will understand. So it's sort of like Pictionary with a ghost. Yes. So the story goes, um, the dead woman told me to tell my client. Uh, go to Uncle Jojo's house, John, John, I don't remember what I said before, and knock on his door. He's not going to answer the door. So whatever you do, you have to get into the house. And uh, my client was like, okay. And apparently she did it. She went to his, her uncle's house, uh, who's a old, much older man. Uh, she knocked on the door. He didn't answer the door. So she got the super. And when she entered into the house, there was blood <gasps> everywhere. It's a good story. There was blood all over the bed, soaked, and he wasn't there. And so she went to every hospital in the city looking for him. And he was actually in a hospital. He had had um, something with his urinary tract that had like <gasps> ruptured or something. And he was like in like a John Doe situation because he wasn't able to advocate for himself in the hospital. Oh my and God. so she was able to help him out and then like hook him up and just be there. Things like that started happening where I was like, well, I mean, it's a little hard to explain that away. And so... It took years, honestly, of having these kinds of experiences where I became more comfortable with the fact that they were happening and also talking about it with muggles. Um, because, you know, if somebody's in my, my office and they're consulting with me and they're getting this kind of information from me, they have no problem accepting it for the hour, right? So whether right. or not the way they, they tell it to their friends and they're like, oh, I don't really believe in this stuff, but this happened for me. But when I'm not in a one-on-one -on -one consultation with someone, it's I mean, it's fantastical. It's like Harry Potter stuff without like a talking owl, right? So it's, although I, you know, I talk to animals too, so go figure. So, I mean, it's just, it, it's a lot, it's a lot to um, out myself around kind of all the time. And thanks to the intranet, I've just kind of pre-outed myself a lot of the times. Um, so here we are. You must find yourself in situations either of people coming at you with extreme skepticism or all in woo woo devotion. Mm -hmm. are, is anybody ever just normal? Is it, it sounds like an intense way to live. Yeah, uh, <laughs> people are definitely normal, yes. And also some of that is because I have a preference for skepticism than uh, woo woo devotion. Um, because I, 
myself am really pragmatic. I don't, I, I don't require belief or agreement. I, I work really well with skeptics and I always have. I mean, I'm from Montreal. You know what I mean? People do come at me normal. Um, and usually it's because they, it's not the most important thing in their life, astrology or psychic stuff. It, it's, it's complicated though, because I can be at a dinner table with like seven friends and my knee will start throbbing and I'll know someone at the table has a knee injury or a knee problem. And, and I have a special, I don't mean to brag, but I have a special gift. I feel other people's pain. I don't feel their happiness. I don't feel their joyfulness. That sucks. That's yeah, trash. I just feel that's <laughs> terrible that you don't feel the good stuff. Too. I don't. I just feel pain. Yeah, I just feel people's physical pain, God, uh, mental I would just pain, be like, emotional pain. You need to get pain. to the doctor because this is wearing me out. <laughs> I mean, I do. My partner likes to exercise. I do not. And the most annoying thing is that he's sore after he exercises. This is one of the many reasons I don't like exercising because I hate being sore <laughs> later. So I feel his soreness. Ugh. It's so I cannot even tell you. How annoying! It is of all the things. It is the most annoying to me. Feeling other people's soreness after exercise. So annoying. It's quite. It's quite <laughs> annoying. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but beyond that annoyance, I just imagine you know, like there's nothing. I can think of very few more helpless feelings than loving someone who has passed over, mm. who is on the other side of this, the veil of living and dead. And I imagine that if people believe that you can communicate with the people that they've lost um people must just ask you to do it constantly and you've like how do you maintain boundaries around that yeah um well you know i'll say first that um people do want that and but they also want me to psychic them or read their birth chart or help them with medical issues or heartbreak so not to make it better or worse but it's not just uh, the mediumship that people can be really kind of, I, I need it from you and I can't get it from anyone else and you need to give it to me now because I have these feelings. Right. Um, so on the behavioral level, it's hard and it's arduous, but it's really clear. It's, uh, no, mm. it's a full sentence. <laughs> it's just a full sentence. And I, and I do have ways of, you know, framing things really clearly because the truth is that whatever we do needs to be scalable, right? So if I give everything to the people I you know, I run into on the street, then I can't do the podcast that serves a great many people or whatever else. So I, there's that. No, on an energetics level, boundaries is the hardest thing that I do. And it's the thing I have the most difficult time with for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just constant work. I hope you won't mind yeah. if I out him a little bit, but our audio engineer, Luscious Logan, used to support himself in New Orleans as a youth by reading people's tarot cards. Ooh. And he told me, that people only wanted to know about love, money, and occasionally health, but mostly love and money. I'd believe do that. Do you mm -hmm. find, do, does anybody ever ask you about anything outside of those orbits? Yeah, yeah, they do. But I think also astrology and tarot are different. I, I am also a tarot reader. And when I've done readings at events or like when I've just scheduled tarot readings, I guess it's a little different. It's different, the questions. I do business consulting, real estate planning, family planning. Um, I help people figure out what school to send their kids to. Um, you know, my last job before I was full time doing astrology and the work I do now, I worked with developmentally disabled children and seniors and adults, and I have a real love for working with that population. So I do consult with parents of children and adult children with different ability issues. Um, and, you know, for people who like have nonverbal skills, I can I can kind of get in there as uh -huh. a psychic, which is awesome. I mean, I. 
I could kind of like pull out this scroll of like this whole list of things I consult about because of my ability as a medium. I do work with bereavement issues, which is not mm -hmm. just about communicating with the dead. It's about counseling people through what is very commonly a very dramatic time in family, the money issues that are associated with that um, or the like business that can come along with that. There's so much. Yeah. And the grief, because there's this idea that we have in, in the world that, you know, you feel really sad. It's really bad. And then you pack it up and you move along. And the truth is when you lose someone that you truly love, grief is, you know, many, many years mm -hmm. and it doesn't go away. It just changes. Yeah. And um, at a certain point, most of our friends and family don't have much stomach for it. And so that's where I come in. I work a lot with addiction issues, like a lot with addiction issues, mm -hmm. sexuality issues. Um, I do couples counseling. Yeah. So do you operate as a therapist in a way? Like do people yeah. come to you? Like they would come to a therapist like for regular sessions uh, to work through it, a thing. It, it, I used to be able to do that where I'd see somebody once a month or even twice a month. But I got my, my calendar got so booked out that uh -huh. I cannot offer that anymore. But my work, like a really common bit of feedback that I've gotten in like reviews um, is that it's like six months of therapy in an hour. Oh, wow. Because I don't need to ask questions. And if I start talking about something in a consult with someone and I can feel, so if I start talking about your intimacy issues mm -hmm. and you're smiling and you're being really polite, mm -hmm. but I can feel your anxiety start to really shoot up your chest, uh -huh. what I'll do, because I feel your pain, uh, what I'll do is I'll just pause and I'll be like, so I'm feeling this happening. Is that, is that accurate? Is that what's going on for you? Let's talk about what got triggered. Like, let's get in there. Um, and there's two really powerful things about that. One is having somebody who can actually be a witness to your shit without mm -hmm. you having to name it, that is gold. Just have, being seen is really transformative. And then the other thing is, um, I can kind of help people not get in their own way by being like polite um, mm -hmm. and really kind of get into, so you're freaking out because kind of you're interpreting in the fold of what I'm saying that maybe you won't be partnered and that fear makes you stop listening, you know? Mm -hmm. um, as an example, a very common example. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my ambition with my work is to help people help themselves. And the only way that we can help ourselves is if we first are able to kind of be present with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's the most common thing that we don't do. We abandon ourselves because we're scared of being abandoned. Um, we disassociate because we're scared of being too much. Um, there are so many things we do. Um, in reaction to our emotions or our feelings or our needs or our situation. And I think um, the more present we can be with for ourselves, mm -hmm. the, the better life gets. Can you tell me about the inner lives of my cats? I mean, probably. <laughs> uh, you have two cats? Yes. And are they, what are their names? Velma and Irving. So Velma? Yes. And is Vel are they siblings? Yes. Okay. Velma's the alpha baby? Yes. Okay. And do you have any particular question or you just want me to check in? Um, I just... I'm so curious about their inner lives. I feel very um, like I, I try to intuit their needs as best as I can. And I, I wonder if I'm doing a good job. Well, the problem with your question is you already know you're doing a good job. These are very <laughs> happy cats. Um, and Velma's very communicative with you. Yes. She's very responsive. You are like, oh, snap. Did you like that food? And she'll be like, yes, bitch, I like that food. <laughs> um, she's very clear. Um, she feels that it's her job to protect your other cat. Was he a runt or something? He's sickly. Okay. And he's he's had health multiple health issues. Yeah. Are they like pulmonary, like heart lungsy? He had a um a intestinal issue just recently. 
he has um he doesn't have a strong heart it feels like or maybe he's just like a little slow um like physical physically slow not mentally slow right um so she's very protective of him he doesn't really care to communicate unless something's wrong things are very rarely wrong in the way that you're asking about it right he, they're happy right. cats what are you really asking <laughs> i want to know if irv is my child <laughs> oh irv is the boy yeah he treats me as if i am a parent but velma does not treat me that way because she does not regard you that way yeah. she regards you as like a really great friend um an equal but <laughs> yeah. an equal he it's interesting I don't think he regards you as a parent because he doesn't regard you as a cat. He regards you as um, his family and he relies on you for kind of everything. He's super snuggly, right? He's yeah. like deeply snuggly. They both are. It feels like just he's different. He wants what you want from the relationship. Aw. He's, he's a little bit struggling right now, though. I, I wonder if he got depressed from it, like from the medication withdrawal. And he was in, he was in total, um, he had to be isolated for two weeks okay that makes sense why i'm like something's off here and um he was definitely depressed when he was kept away from all the rest of us he you have a hot spot for him like a warm space for him does he have like a radiator he sits on or like a heated crinkly bed or yeah yeah okay because he really needs that hot spot right now he does not feel robust okay mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying that, like, he's not showing me any intestinal distress, but he is showing me distress. Um, not like, oh, shit, bring him back to the doctor. Although you will soon enough, right, to get a checkup? He had that already. Okay. Um, I mean, listen, I live in California, so mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you. Um, keep him warm. I would say keep him warm, but also if it was me, mm -hmm. I would get, like, a herbologist cat person, like, to see, like, is there some sort of, like, you know, one of my cats has um, herpes, and so we give him pulsatia. It's just a, you know, a homeopathic pellet. You know, mm -hmm. I wonder if there's some sort of like really gentle thing you could be doing to support his health. I, I don't know what it is because I'm not a I'm not a doctor. Um, I have a vet who prescribes things like that. Mm -hmm. um, he's not bouncing back. Um, mm -hmm. His heart feels strained to me. Like his, it's not like his breathing feels bad, but you know what I mean when your heart's like having a hard time. Um, so I don't want to frighten you because this doesn't look, I would tell you if I was like, oh shit, bring him to the vet. Yeah. It's not like that, but he's not right. He's not a hundred percent. Uh-uh. And um, it hurts her feelings. Like Aww. it concerns her. Aww. I know. I'm sorry. Um, she, does she have real stinky breath? She has stinky poops. Okay. Cause I wonder, <laughs> does she have like a broken tooth in the back? She's got a little, she's got a little something she's showing me in the back of her mouth. What side is this? Whatever this side yeah, is. Left side. Um, left side. Thank you. Um, she doesn't really care. She doesn't really care. If she if she wanted you to know, you'd know is her attitude. She's bossy. You live with another human? I live with Luscious Logan. This damn human. And okay. she's obsessed with him. Yeah. Um, she's, he <laughs> oh, does whatever she wants. Yeah. Um, like whatever she wants. She's like, it's 3 a.m. Let's have a conversation about poetry. <laughs> Logan's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> that is exactly right. <laughs> um, it's like a point of pride for her. <laughs> <laughs> she's obnoxious in my favorite kind of way yeah um, she's she runs the house she does she's not i mean she's telling me she's not like abusive with it she knows she has power but she's like a beneficent <laughs> ruler um but uh so great but she's yeah but she uh i mean she's very happy she's got no complaints 
Can I ask about my of cat? Course. Oh my God, I'm dying. I want to know what my cat Lana's screaming about when she stares at the wall. She'll just stare at the wall and go. <laughs> Something is, is bothering her, but it's not the wall thing. She doesn't care about that question at all. Oh. <laughs> You've asked her that question a lot. Yes. I'm um, always like, what yeah. are you screaming what are you, about? She's just, she is completely uninterested in answering the question. She's just like, I'm, <laughs> I'm meowing at the wall. Like, it's like, it's not, <laughs> I don't think that there's something you're supposed to fix. And I don't exactly think she's asking for something, but it looks like she's looking at a very specific point, doesn't it? Yeah. On the wall. It's always the same. She sits in the same spot. Yeah. No, I see it. what she's doing. She's showing me what she's doing. And she's like, um, <laughs> she's real, she's real fixed about it, but she's showing me that there's some sort of upset within the home. Maybe we have a subletter right now. How do you feel about your subletter? I love him. He's our friend from Peru. But that it, he, the guest room is her bedroom, so she may be a little miffed okay. about that. And oh, she doesn't like that we have to close the connecting door, so she can't roam freely when he's. In she's there. she's agitated. She's an, she she feels like this is an upset to her world. Um, she's got a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's not your child. You know, she's not your child, right? No, she's yeah. she's she's like your sister in her mind. Like you are equals. She feels that she's older than you. She thinks she's older than everyone. <laughs> She's very, uh, she's a real, she's got this way that she like wants to talk and hang out all the time. And then she doesn't want to talk to you at all. She's yeah, like, done. completely. She's done and she wants to talk to you. And she's put out that you would consider trying to talk to her. <laughs> like she's got that vibe about her. She, she doesn't think of herself as your cat. She thinks of you as her person. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one owns her. Um, uh-huh. No one owns her at all. But she's. If I'm being totally honest, she seems to think that you and your husband are going through some sort of change, not necessarily between you, but there's something happening with one of you that's like a meaningful change. And she's really interested in that. Like, that's actually really in like, that's what she's showing me. Does that make sense to you about something? Maybe Camilla's looking for a job. He's he's in the middle of a job hunt. So and is it like kind of an identity crisis or like a a meaningful change for him? Any job changes. Because he may be changing careers. He's, he's changing careers. Okay, there, yeah. Because that's what she's showing me is an upset. And I don't know how much he talks about his emotions, um, but she seems to think it's a big deal and that it's having reverberations uh, within the, the home. And that might not be something that is like super on the surface, but that's what she's showing me. Honestly, it's what she showed me right away is that there's changes in the home. Um, I don't think that the, sorry, I almost said the weird uh, subletter roommate person because that's how she thinks of the person. <laughs> um, I don't think that weird person is helping, but I don't think that's the thing that she's showing me. I think it's more her concern about ch- the change in the, in the family or the change in the air um, and how it's being kind of addressed and coped with. Huh. She feels a managerial responsibility to the family. Aww. Yeah, she's got this really... Um, she sit around looking serious sometimes, just like looking at you. Mm-hmm. Cause she's got a real like, I'm watching you. I, <laughs> I care about you. And that's why I'm watching you. Oh yeah. She'll just stare. Just for hours. Oddly. Um, I'm sorry, I keep on sneaking in the question about um the wall. She's super not gonna answer that question. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's super <laughs> oh, not gonna answer. Okay. Oh, this was fun. Yay, I'm yeah. so glad. I'm so glad. Best. Cool. Can I ask you about Luscious Logan and I? Uh, can you i'm in aries my moon is in virgo my rising sign is pisces you're super easy going no (laughs) i try to be but i am not no you're not 
And Logan is a super Aquarius. Um, okay, so Aquarius, bunch of Aquarius, and Aries rising is what we know. And then you're a Pisces rising, and you're an Aries yes, with I'm a Virgo moon? Yes. Okay, so what's the question? We've been together for 15 years. Congratulations. Thank you. That's insane. I want to be together for a million more years. Sometimes it's a wild ride because he's the most Aquarian Aquarius. And I'm like, let's stick to the schedule, Logan. And he's like, I'm free to do what I want to do. Ah, but what is freedom? Um, Okay. (laughs) Is free ever free? Uh Uh-huh. Is free ever free? I guess being that we brought it up, uh, <laughs> uh, freedom is working within limitations. Agree button slash tell it to a Virgo moon. Who's like, <laughs> those limitations will be clearly defined and agreed upon verbally and maybe in writing. Um, and that Pisces rising with the Aries is like, I'm going to be totally chill about that. And you are until the second you're not. I and know. then you're not. And then the Aquarius responds to your emotion, inten- emotional intensity and your desire to process by getting cold, detached, and pulling away, or worse, talking you out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. the problem with all that Aquarius is you're technically right, but what good is it to be right when the person who loves you wants to rip your face off? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the... the <laughs> you're Work. welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. So really... Here's the best advice I could give you. Yeah. Not looking at either of your birth charts and not even knowing your damn moon sign um, is this. If you don't agree on what the problem is, there will never be a a mutually satisfactory uh, solution. In other words, if you say what we're doing is we're fighting about the fact that you promised you'd be home at seven and you weren't home until nine, you didn't text. And he is like, what we're fighting about is the fact that you're controlling and you're trying to tell me what to do then you will never come to a resolution. Truth. You have to first identify what is it actually that we're fighting about. And what that looks like is sometimes being able to say, I understand what your problem is, and I need you to understand what my problem is, and we need to talk about both of these problems. Because that will satiate the analytic nature that you both have. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, Aries on Aries violence. I mean, it's just impulse fire, (laughs) impulse fire. I mean, it's just like, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm the king. No, I'm the king. So it's really difficult in that regard. And so it's, it's not about anything other than being willing to say, we're going to agree on what the problem is before I prove you wrong. You know? I hear you. Yeah. I'll just add a little something, which is, if you're a Pisces rising, that means your moon in Virgo is either in the seventh or the sixth house. Do you know? No. Uh, do you tend to get really emo with all your close people? Yes. And do you tend to have stomach problems? Always. Okay, then you did not give me an answer to my test questions that I would be would say is definitive. So I don't I don't know. Moon in the sixth house tends to give you tummy problems. Also makes you heck of emo. So <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Um, but depending on so moon in the sex house, people tend to need their emotional lives to be behaviorally predictable. Like that mundane part of it needs uh-huh. to be predictable. So when somebody says, I'm going to bring you a coffee, and then they forget to bring you a coffee, emotionally, if you have moon in the six, there's a part of you that's like hurt. Because you like, <laughs> you like were, you knew that you it was said. coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. 
And so an Aquarius is going to be like, yeah, I'll bring you a coffee because it feels like a good idea at the time. Uh -huh. And then something else happens that also feels like a good idea. And they're not going to necessarily hold on to that detail. What's tricky here is that from the very little I've learned about both of your charts, right, is that you're actually more mutable. Um, and so what that means is you may compromise and compromise and compromise and then one day wake up and be like, she's done compromising. <laughs> and then hell hath no fury, you know? And so the part of what's difficult here is figuring out how to be able to name. I'm in this emotion right now. I don't need to process it with you. I'm making a compromise. I just need you to know it and then move on. Because if you're compromising for your partner and your partner doesn't know that you're compromising, it's not fair to like two weeks later be like, I have been compromising on this for weeks. And they don't even know. They don't even know. That but is, you know what? That has happened. Oh, I know it has. That's real. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> but you know, this is the thing. I am a professional psychic. And when I'm with my partner, I do not psychic him. He is a big boy and he needs to use his big boy words. Right. <laughs> you know, so we need to assume that our partners are not psychic and it's not their job to intuit our needs. Right. It's their job to respond to our needs once we've been clear about what they are. Once we say them with yeah. words. With words, Virgo Moon. You can do yeah. that. Slash yeah. Pisces Rising doesn't want to. Is it fucked up that <laughs> Logan's birthday and my mom's birthday are the same birthday? Yes, yes it is. It means you're having sex with your mom. No, it doesn't. <laughs> not at all. I mean, listen, we... We have uh, inherited issues. I mean, I'm guessing they weren't born the same year. No, they were not. So you're chill. Good. Yeah, <laughs> you're fine. You just touched on on you not psychicking your partner. People come to you with relationship advice all the time. I'm wondering what your own love life is like. Do you feel pressure to find an astrologically perfect match? Do you have blind <laughs> spots when it comes to yourself? Uh, I don't look at my partner's chart. In fact, the last time I was single, I have never online dated myself, um, but I, the last time I was single, I was considering it. And I, the only thing I knew I was going to put in my profile is must hate astrology. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't date fans. I don't, I don't bring my abilities as a psychic or an astrologer to my personal relationships because then it becomes work. work. Yeah. And so that said, you know, if you have a friend who can like psychic your medical issue, what kind of a friend would I be if I didn't do it now and again? You know, so I have ways that I am helpful that are unique. And so I am able to uniquely be helpful sometimes. And mm -hmm. I do that. But it's an issue that can kind of ruin a friendship, honestly, in terms of dating. OK, this will make me look really bad. But apparently I'm going to say it anyways. I have <laughs> psychic my partner's code on his phone multiple times. <laughs> I know it's terrible. You shouldn't do that. It was a terrible thing to do, but I did it twice and he didn't try to lock me out a third time. It was early <laughs> in the relationship. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's very specific psychicking. It is. I don't usually have like psychic numbers, but he was testing me and I was like, motherfucker, I am going to open this phone. And I just did. It was <laughs> wonderful. Um, so yeah, so I don't, um, I don't know my partner's birth chart. It's on the fridge. So if something's going on and there's like a need to look at it, I will. But I purposefully do not retain that information at all. And I am lucky that he doesn't, he's not like a fan of astrology or anything like that. Uh -huh. um, and then, you know, with psychic stuff and anyone who tells you otherwise of what I'm about to tell you is just, I would say wrong. And I don't say that about many things, but in our own personal lives, as soon as you are a, the subject of a topic, you cannot be objective right. and clear. Right. So whether we're talking about psychic stuff or astrology or tarot or any of this kind of good stuff, you know, it's, it's very difficult to read for yourself clearly. 
And, you know, if it's my partner or my best friend, then it's the same thing. It's hard to be objective. So yeah. I am really obsessed with boundaries um, and I, I try to be really careful about that. Cool. I wonder how you approached writing your book. I think that astrology books are really hard because everybody only wants to know about their specific own shit. Yeah. And you need to write a book that includes everyone's specific own shit. How do you approach it in a way that that makes it not boring for all the parts that aren't about you? Thank you for asking that question. It was coming up with the structure was really challenging. Um, and I collaborated with a writer, T Greenaway, and I basically spoke the book. Um, and um, what we did, or okay, so this is basically what, what it broke down to is the book is broken into three separate sections and they're color coded because I love color. Um, it is a very beautiful book. Thank you very much. Um, it, so the first section is friends and chosen family. And um, the second section is what I call TBD dating. It's like either you're just hooking up, it's nothing serious, or it's the first several months where you're not sure if it's mm -hmm. going to be a real, you know, real relationship. I mean, it's all real relationships. Um, and then the third section is long-term relationships. And what I've done is I have um, gone through each of the 10 planets. So in each section, so let's say we're looking at the sun, um, it's a breakdown of the sun in the context of friendship or the sun in the context of TBD dating or long-term relationships. And then um, throughout the section, it breaks down into the sun in a house and the sun in a sign. And I was worried. I was like, people are either going to love this and think it's like organized and useful or they're going to be like, this is too much work. I don't understand what's happening here. So far, so good. People are liking the way it's organized. But basically... I, when I first handed it to a couple different friends, they did that. They like flipped to the thing. But then once it's accurate, you're like, okay, let me understand what I'm actually looking at. And mm -hmm. people get a little deeper. The thing is, because I'm going through all the planets and going through the planets in the houses and in the signs, um, I think it kind of in, in, engages the reader a little bit more to do a little more work uh -huh. um, because you have to start thinking about all your parts. Um, also, I'll say the book is very feminist, very um, queer, very open around not all relationships are monogamous. N not all people, you know, want to have sex. Not all people want to be, you know, any particular way. Not all relationships are just two people, you know. So there's a way that um, I made an effort every step of the way to be thinking about all these parts mm -hmm. because that's what I do in my private practice. Um, and I really like unpacking assumptions and looking at assumptions and um and so hopefully i succeeded in doing that in the book <laughs> yeah i've just i've never seen an astrology book like it before every other astrology book i've seen is very obsessed with the sun signs yeah because to go deeper requires some math and yeah. and some perseverance it's it's true um it, there isn't a book like it and some of that is um now there is technology that makes it so that every muggle can just go to an app or my website and just like boop, boop, boop. And there it is. As long as you know your time of birth, you can know what your birth chart is. And that's a very new thing in human development. It used to be that astrology was for kings, you know, and it was it was for people who had a lot of money um, because it took scholars, people who studied. Um, and now you can boop, boop, boop on the Internet as robot talk, you know, so mm -hmm. you could just like go that way. So, so there's, that's part of it. And then the other part of it is, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think people are interested now. And so I organize the information that way. Uh -huh. Yeah. I wonder if in terms of 
from a business standpoint, if you think there are differences between male and female astrologers and mediums are treated in the industry. I notice like out in the world, if there's like people who are like, can I give you a reading? Can I give you a reading? It's like almost always women. Mm. But the famous mediums on t- TV are so often men. I'm thinking about John Edward, James Van Pra, Tyler Henry, Chip Coffee, Walter Mercado, RIP. All right. Um, all the way back to Criswell in the 50s. Like, is this just a fact that like people trust men to be authorities on everything more like why why are like the big tv people so often men excellent question the answer is men uh, <laughs> real talk so it's not that people trust men people don't trust men people cross the street when they see men coming it's that no disrespect to it's men true. but it's true i've done it 700 million times what it is is that tv executives Trust, trust men. men. It's that TV executives give jobs to men. It's that TV executives will, you know, say, hey, I want a show about astrology and then call all the witches they can find on Instagram instead of astrologers because they don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. So there's a way that this is just about, I think it's it's not about who is a reputable psychic or a medium or who's a better one or who's a more reliable one. Um, it's about who gets jobs. Mm. Um, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's really just about that. I mean, there's a way that I, I think it's changing because we are self publishing and self promoting and, you know, people want to make money off of other people. And so now there's more women to make money off of for those people. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of psychic TV, although, um, I have seen most of those people do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tricky. Being psychic on TV is, is a tricky thing. It's a, it's a, cause you're not, when you're, when you're, you're filming something, there are a bunch of people in the room. It's not just like you and the person you're talking to. It's like the, the like sound crew and the camera crew and they all have shit going yeah. on. So it's, it takes, uh, for me anyways, and everyone's different, but it takes a massive amount of effort and energy to decide to, um, block out other people's energies whilst being wide open to the one person you're dealing with. I don't think people trust men more, do they? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't. I don't I don't know anybody who does. I guess it's it's men are hiring, so men are Men are hiring. hiring. Men. Yeah, that's ex- that's it's as simple as that. Jessica, are you a feminist? Very much so. I'm so glad that you said that. <laughs> How has your work in astrology and mediumship affected your feminism? It's a great question that no one's ever asked me before thank you you're welcome um so i don't see my my feminism as separate from any part of me like it's a humongous part of me Mm -hmm. you know somebody asked me the other day if i was a witch and i am politically identified as a witch not so much spiritually but politically very much and that is part of my feminism um but for for me when a person comes in for a session and they say oh i want a baby and i want to be married I say, why? Why do you want to be married? Why do you want a baby? And I'll tell you the vast majority of women that I've asked that question to, I'm the first person to ever ask them that question. Really? Yes. Crazy. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. And I live in the damn Bay Area, very progressive environment. Um, And what I think feminism is, is critical thinking. It's thinking about thinking while thinking. It's being actively engaged with assumptions and moving into them and being present with them and being willing to unpack them. and to kind of embody all of yourself, right? It's, it's really just what it is. Um, and that is, 
it touches every single part of, of what I do. Now, in the context of mediumship, I don't know that it comes up as much because gender is not so much a thing when you don't have a body. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not, it's not I like I think. Considered yeah, it. it's not that, I don't think that gender is exclusive to the physiology, but I do think that gender is a part of the human condition um, in this particular way. It's part of like the, the embodiment lesson. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I talk to people who are dead, so when I talk to people who are dead and they're showing me their whole personalities and they're like really able to talk to me, um, they're in a stage of development where they're, they're not actually ghosts. There are ghosts, but that's not what a ghost is. Um, they are in a stage of development where they are in spirit and they are themselves in spirit. So they're more whole than they were in the body actually, but they are themselves in spirit. And the more whole we get, spiritually the more our personalities we are and we become the best way i can put it because language does not really work for any of this stuff um is we just become more vibrational and light and less matter and that makes it feel like they are much much further from us and therefore much much less gendered um much less resonant with any personality markers you know um which I find it's, it's not something I've thought too much about. It's just something that I've seen a lot. Does, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, I wouldn't uh, tell anyone what happens after we die. I only know what I experience. Um, but I have experienced it very consistently, like very consistently. So I experienced what the same kind of um, reflection of what happens after we die. Yeah. What happens after we die? Well, it depends on who's dying um, and how. What happens when I die? I don't know what happens when you die. I don't predict <laughs> death. But I do um, see that children, when they die, it's easier for their spiritual transition because kids don't have an attachment to control over uh. their lives. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of people don't want to be here. And so dying is different for them. Oh, I see. Yeah. When you're ill, the illness is a part of your body, whether it's a mental illness or a physical illness. Um, but the spiritual ills that we have don't, don't die. The physiological ones do. So we leave the body, but we don't leave. Like from my experience, you know, and I've lost loved ones and been deeply aggrieved. Um, so, of course, death is very much real, but it's actually an illusion. There's no such a real thing as death. The body dies. This life dies. It ends. But your soul is so much bigger than this life and this body from my perspective. So what happens when we die i think that there's different ways of telling that story but ultimately uh it is not something to fear and in my experience and from my perspective um there is no there there when you leave the body and you leave the material plane there's no location mm -hmm. so it's kind of a bummer for people who are really attached to hell being a physical location or hell or heaven being a physical location because there's no more physical that's that's done that's not what it is from my from my experience yeah no harp playing on a cloud. Uh, no. Uh, no cloud. No. <laughs> no harp. Yeah. No physical. Yeah. No physical at all. Uh, what are your hopes and your dreams and your plans for 2020? And can you see them? Mm. Hopes, plans, and dreams. Uh, plans is the easier question than, than hopes yeah. uh, or dreams. I don't really dream. Sun, moon, and rising in Capricorn. Uh, uh -huh. I'm not really one for dreams. But I definitely plan on uh, con continuing to, 
I'm really concerned about the world, you know, mm-hmm. so I want to be a part of the larger conversation that we're having. And because of who I am and what I do, my angle is coming at it from a spiritual perspective and being, I'm really interested in supporting people and becoming more healthy and emotionally intelligent so that they have better personal lives. Yes. But also so that they do better their civic duty to their neighbor, because I think we're in, um, very concerning times. Can and you I, tell if Trump is going to be reelected? Oh, that's a terrible question. Don't ask. I have I have very grim views of what comes next. So whenever people ask, I <laughs> well, I've heard you allude to this a little bit on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, things are are about to hit the fan. Yeah, I think I think they've already hit the fan. But- oh, the- I'm glad yeah. you said because I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, if well, she hasn't already bit the fan, I mean, what's coming I, next? Unfortunately, there's a lot of- More to go. So here's a fun th- fact about astrology. Anyone who's actually super interested could look at the dates of the last time things that are coming in 2020 have happened in history, and they could see what's happened historically. And I don't recommend you do that because it's scary. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, Shit. Yeah. I mean, it lines up with, what people who study authoritarianism are projecting. Unfortunately, astrology, um, it's not unfortunately, but in this particular context, astrology and history are interchangeable because what astrology is, is a tool for mapping out why things happen for the period Mm -hmm. of time that they happen. And history tells the story of what that was. Uh, So it's very interesting to use astrology to look at social and political conditions. The trouble is, neurotic over here i you know so i want to keep it constructive which is why i don't answer certain questions (laughs) um because when we think or feel that we have no hope then we stop doing right and the most important thing is to do the right thing whether or not you get what you want from it because it's a sickness within the soul to not act in integrity and especially when people are vulnerable especially when times are grim and People are vulnerable in times of room. So, mm-hmm. so we should keep doing the right thing, even though we're fucked. Yes. Listen, there's there's oh, a the lot fuckery. of crazy. I know there's a lot of crazy predictions out there, but I, I'm not a. I don't know that there's a value in the prediction at this moment. Okay. Yeah. The value is keep on doing the work. Resistance fatigue is real, but don't stop resisting. Mm. You know. Do you ever get like people, ghosts or spirits? I guess you said they weren't mm-hmm. ghosts. Just talking to you out of nowhere. Yeah. That, even if the person isn't. Yeah. And I get psychic takes on people that aren't, that I'm not with. Um, if I'm in a situation where I, I start to feel something like I could be hanging out with you. Okay. And all of a sudden I will experience, um, a wave of depression. And if I, if it, if it, if I can tell that it's not mine, like if I can tell that it's data, I might ask you how you're doing, or let's say I already know that like your sister's going through a thing. I might ask you how your sister's doing. And basically I need to communicate some sort of a message. Mm-hmm. And once I communicate it, the depression will leave my system. It's really fucking annoying for me. Yeah, it um, sounds annoying. It's annoying. Um, but also, you know, I, I'm i not a martyr. Like I make choices around it. And, um, and as annoying as it is and as burdensome as it can be, it's also like I'm, I understand that it's also a gift in all of that. So um, I have really strong boundaries with dead people. With living people, it's a little more complicated, you know. Um, but I don't talk to strangers is my role. So mm-hmm. if the dead person is a stranger to me, I don't fucking talk to them unless I'm consulting with you and it's not a stranger to you. Right. Because with dead people comes all kinds of 
things. I mean, the universe is not made of rainbows and, and lollipops. You know, there's everything in the universe, mm. um, including scary things and dangerous things. And uh, yeah, I've had very bad experiences in addition to good ones. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Yeah. Stressed out. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't. <laughs> I feel for you. Yeah, oh, that's hard. sweet. I didn't mean to make you feel bad for me. <laughs> Shit. That's, that's, no, I mean, that's, that's a lot going on. Yeah. It, it's a lot, but, but it, it is, um, Again, I, I mean, I choose it, you know, yeah. like I choose it every day. Um, it's just, I think that there's a way that when people talk about psychic stuff or mediumship um, or, you, you know, counseling people in general, it can sound so like, OMG, you can see into my soul. You know what my cat's thinking? How cool is that? And it is super fucking cool. It is but so cool. It is the it coolest is. thing amazing. in the world. But it is also, it is also complicated and it comes with a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, and liability and more and more I'm hearing people, you know, write into my podcast or say to me, like, I want to be psychic. I want to like devote my life to this. And my first thought is always, do you really? Do you know what it's going to cost you? Because it's not free. Um, it costs a lot, you know, and um, it's I, for me, it's worth it. But it's not something to go into like willy nilly because it can, it can be really, you know, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. Thank you so much for being with this us and fascinating. being so open and honest with all of our questions. We're going to take the briefest of breaks. And when we come back, we're going to ask Jessica, we're going to ask Callie, and hopefully they're going to ask me what, what you watching. Hey, podcast fans. Did you know that the best place to listen to your favorite shows ad-free is Stitcher Premium? They've got Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine The Lost Trail, Bitch Sesh, the Fantasy Footballers, Science Rules with Bill Nye, and more, all without commercial interruptions. And we can hook you up with a sweet deal. Get one month free, go to stitcher.com slash premium, and use promo code POPTARTS. That's stitcher.com slash premium, promo code POPTARTS. Before we get back to the show... I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be. And you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via WolfieVibesPublicity.com for details and quotes. And tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. Uh, essentially, I started it because every female comedian I know was amazing and hardworking and hilarious. And I knew would make great podcasts. And every male comedian I know already had a podcast and was doing their own thing. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kate Moldenhauer, the founder of More Banana Podcasts, a comedy podcast network entirely produced, hosted, and led by women. We have shows about politics. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. When the Supreme Court puts stuff on their calendar, they use the word docket. So their Google calendar is a docket. Is a docket. So technically, I have a docket. You have a docket. We all have We all dockets. have a docket. Sex. Welcome to my vagina. I'm Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. What were ancient Greek dildos made of, Jesse? They were made of padded leather and, yep, anointed with olive oil. Yep. <laughs> scams. I'm Caitlin I'm Rodney Smith. <laughs> and, and we, we love, love scams. scams. She tells them she's a German Russian heiress and she seems like she has a lot of money and people buy it. That's yeah. basically what's happening. So as soon as she got a loan, she would cash it as much as she could out before anybody caught on. 
it's Which amazing. Was so smart. I mean, <laughs> so like, smart. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible, but like to take that money out immediately because women are actually pretty versatile and funny. More Banana is a network of women's voices, unfiltered and uninterrupted. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts and learn about our growing roster of shows at morebanana.com. And we're back. Hello. Hey. I am going to ask our guest first, what you watching? And when I say what you watching, it is a broad question. Movies, TV, books, podcasts, um, the writing on the bathroom wall. If there is something pop culturally that you are consuming, we want to know it because it is probably cool. Jessica, what you watching? Okay. Uh, The podcast I am obsessed with is Gaslit Nation. It is amazing. Uh, It is low-key terrifying, but very real and very worth listening to. Um, And the show that I just binged that I was so obsessed with, I just didn't even know what to do with myself, was The Circle. Me too. I couldn't stop watching it. I I I was stunned by it. I thought, oh, this is stupid. Netflix stopped telling me to watch stuff. And then... It was amazing. I watched it because Callie told me to watch it. I got sucked in so hard. Sucked in so hard. It's fascinating. I thought it really, it reflected back what happens on social media. You start saying, I love you really quickly. You start being like, OMG, I totally trust you. Because there's all this space where you get to project. And it's fascinating because it felt, I I was like surprising how nice everyone was. But then it also wasn't in a way because that happens more easily on social media. People can be really terrible but they can also be really kind on social yeah. in my experience and also when people are lonely and isolated mm-hmm. they they're extra extra what else are you watching you know i like to watch a little rachel maddow and by a little i mean every episode <laughs> i don't miss a rachel maddow what are you watching oh i watched uh, the miss americana what is which that is taylor swift documentary and did i've you learn never about been Tay-Tay? i've never really been a big Tay Tay fan. I mean, it's just not my type of music. I don't really follow it. But um, I liked it. There was she talked a lot about um, like how she need, realized she had to like stand up and do more work for women's rights and gay rights. And she talks about the case where the guy grabs her butt. And she was like, "This was with seven witnesses and a photo. What happens when you've been raped and it's your word against his?" And um, she said that even though she won the trial, the whole thing just was so de- dehumanizing that it yeah. was still worse for her. Um, and then there's like her, her dad, I think is maybe his manager or he's got some position in her team. And um, they were like getting ready for, she was going to speak up against the Republican, uh, some Republican that was running in Tennessee that was like right. super right wing, anti-choice and against gay rights. And she said um, that she, her dad was like, maybe you shouldn't do it and speak up. And she was like, uh, this is not Christian values and we need to stand up for women's rights and gay rights. And if I get bad press for saying I don't want to put a homophobic racist in office, then I'm fine with getting bad press for that. I was like, fuck yeah. Mm. She, she really made me like her a lot. And she named her cat Olivia Benson, which is so cute. I know. Oh, so okay. though I'm really not still not into the music that much, I'm, I like her. She's, I stand for her now. Nice. Watching the Nora from Queens, the Aquafina show. Oh, I love show. Nora from Queens. It's, so, it's filling the, the Broad City void. 
Yes. It had I saw only one episode, but it had a solid Broad City. There's a lot vibe. of vibrators, a lot of giant vibrators. Uh-huh. And I loved when they went to um when she went to Atlantic City with her grandma. Did you see that one? Mm-hmm. I did, but I noticed that the scenes on the boardwalk were shot in Coney Island. Oh, wow well, about that. Made me wonder why they couldn't shoot it in Atlantic City. I love that she was busted for counting cars because she just casually said, Oh, I'm just counting cars. <laughs> and she didn't realize <laughs> that you're not allowed to do that. I love how she's like low key a genius. But is like underemployed and living at home. Yeah, and also like, why is counting cards illegal? If you're that smart at math, you should be able to win if you're that smart. Because it's a game of chance. I know. Count the cards. Count the damn cards. Yeah, Let just them keep count it to yourself. Cards. I watched AJ and the Queen on Netflix. What did you think of that? I saw, I think I, one episode, two episodes. I'm it on was, the fence about it. It was really slow. It was like basically too long foo. Thanks mm-hmm. for everything, but with a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. There's just, it, I don't know. I, I, there was a lot of good cameos in it. It's really, it was cheesy. I didn't make it to the end, but I wanted to watch it to support RuPaul. Yeah. I know. I just want to make RuPaul's life better in any way that I can. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> exactly. nice. Um, Riverdale is back and it's bananas as usual. I have so many questions. Like if Archie is running a wrestling, illegal wrestling community center during the day, how is he the quarterback at high school? And how is everybody getting into Yale when they're literally never in school? Yeah, nobody ever takes a class. And they're all in Yale. They're all in Yale? Yeah, they are, they're also, all getting into Yale. does Archie actually have red hair? His, the casting on that really bothers me. I he feel doesn't like, in real life? I no. don't think he does. That looks like very much... That red is a weird it's red. It's not. It's like a rose gold. <laughs> but his mom is Molly Ringwald, and so that makes me Oh, his mom has, is yeah. Molly Ringwald. That he has how did hair. I live so long and not know that detail? No, no I mean, on the, the show. show. Oh. On the show. That's oh. how you live to the I was like, I can't believe that exists that I didn't hear no, that. Okay. On, in Riverdale, Archie's mom is. It's absolutely batshit. And maybe they're still doing this, maybe or maybe not, um, that Jughead dies. And I don't believe it. I don't think that could happen. But this I mean, it's just chock full of spoilers. Dude, I'm into it. It doesn't spoil anything because it's so bad shit. You're like, <laughs> there's a cult where they were harvesting organs. What? Yeah, this one. And everyone was high on Jingle Jangle. Yeah, they were okay. doing the Jingle Jangle. Jingle then Jangle. Come one on. One girl's uh, twin brother dies. And so she goes and digs the body up and just has it chilling in the basement. Okay, so here's the thing. I know a bunch of 11-year-old, well, 11 or 12-year-old girls. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying. And they all watch this. It's crazy. It's like flowers in the attic. But for this generation, just as crazy as the chilling adventures of Sabrina, which I is also back Sabrina. on its bullshit. <laughs> it's insane. But I'm all for that hot, the clay of water, seaman sex. Well, there's a there's also a clay demon that never wears a shirt. Ooh, that sounds uh, <laughs> like the golem. There's a golem? lot going on. I mean, he's really Ish. hot, and he never wears a shirt. Nor should he. Nor should he. And then, um. I'm watching, there's a show, Avenue 5, that's on, um, I think it's on, it's on HBO. It's got Hugh Lowry is like the main character. Okay. And they're like on a spaceship style yacht, a yacht that's in space pretty much. Or like a, <laughs> a space yacht. Or like a, a cruise ship more. This is like a cruise ship situation. And they're giving a space tour, and this is in the future, and somehow they get off course. And so instead of just being like a six month tour or something, they're stuck in space for like four years. But then you find out that like a lot of the people are actors. So like the crew is really like hiding under the ship and all the, the crew are really actors. But it is weird. 
I feel like it's going to get way better. Oh, also, Hugh Lowry has a really weird thing where he keeps changing his accent constantly. Okay, this I have to see. <laughs> I'm so into a space yacht with actor staff and roving accents. Yes. I'm in. And I'm like in. when the people die, like there was a crash, so people died, and the gravity of the spaceship is so strong that their bodies are stuck orbiting the spaceship as well as their poop later. No. What is this orbit. show? Wild. I'm in. I'm all into <laughs> it's this. It's called Avenue 5. It, it's a ride. Wow. And that is what I've been watching. And what have you been watching? Thank you for asking. I can sum up what I've been watching in one word, and that word is disco. <laughs> know this. I've just returned to solid ground, terra firma, if you will, after a week on the high seas with Luscious Logan on the ultimate disco cruise. I've never been on a cruise in my whole life, and it was a whole floating music festival for five days, and I've never had so much fun in my life. I love music, and I love going to shows, but I find going to shows very physically and emotionally taxing, but this was like wall-to-wall constant, nonstop live music performances in the most plush environment you could sit and lounge on a couch. You could stand and dance. Hot men would just bring me a Diet Coke whenever I wanted to. Like, <laughs> I didn't even have to, after three days, I didn't have to ask for the Diet Coke. The Diet Coke just arrived. Like, it, I, now that I've been on the high seas at a music festival, I never want to go to a music festival Is on this land real? ever again. It, okay, between Monday and Friday, I saw the Commodores, the Jacksons, Sister Sledge, Casey and the Sunshine Band, Shalimar featuring Jody Watley, Anita Ward, Maxine Nightingale, George McRae, and the First Ladies of Disco, which includes Martha Wash from The Weather Girls, Linda Clifford, and Norma Jean Wright. It was like a 70s soul version of Lollapalooza, but with no abject human suffering. I was in the lap <laughs> of luxury, and I never wanted it to end. Yes, I see a question from the I audience. have a question. Yeah. I have a question. Um, so when you're on this cruise ship, not in space, but on high seas. But on the ocean. On the actual ocean. On the actual ocean. And the Jacksons, Jody Watley, they were just like walking around. They were legit shrimp. walking around. I saw Marlon and Tito eat oatmeal. You did <laughs> not. I did. I saw um I saw Debbie Sledge in a hoodie at the midnight buffet. Um, it was everything. How it was are we everything. just learning that this exists? I I had no idea what I was in store for. I went as a press, a member of the press. I was invited to attend, and it's the greatest voyage of my life. Oh my god! It I'm was. Stunned. I love music so much, and I didn't realize how much just sort of physical discomfort was keeping me from it. And I just sang and danced and bonded with other music enthusiasts. For five days, I never wanted it to end. Um, also, while I was on board, there was a closed but circuit. But what if yeah. you got off course and then your poop had to gravitate around your cruise That is ship. the important question. That <laughs> yeah. is the question. I would question. still love it. <laughs> nice. Wow. I'm here um, for that. <laughs> they had like their own disco TV setup. So like every oh TV God. only showed disco stuff. And they had a disco movie marathon where the movies changed every day. And so while I was taking disco naps, <laughs> Before the late show, I would watch a disco film. And those films that I watched included Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta, Studio 54 with Ryan Phillippe, Thank God It's Friday with Jeff Goldblum and Donna Summer, oh. 
which I'd never seen before. I've never by the seen. Way. That I've never one. even heard of the that. The Commodores are in that movie too. It's amazing. Fame, of course, with yes. Irene Cara, Treja Lee, Coco, Treja Lee, <laughs> Boogie Nights with Mark Wahlberg, Love is the Message, which was about this pre-Studio Fifty Four place called the Gallery on Twenty Second Street. And the last days of disco with Whit Stillman and Chloe Sevigny. One of the funniest things ever was watching Luscious Logan encounter the dialogue of Whit Stillman for the first time. He was furious. He was I haven't appalled. seen this. How's the dialogue? Though? Whit Stillman is basically like the wasp Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is very formal and neurotic, but in like a very white privileged Chloe Sevigny kind of way. And, uh, <laughs> It was it was amazing to to see Logan encounter this for the first time and to be so put out and irritated and appalled <laughs> and upset. It was hilarious and I loved it. And that is what I've been watching. I love it. God, that that's winning right there. <laughs> I was living my best life. Uh, thank you so much for being on their show. Thanks for this having was, me. This was I really awesome. love talking so to you. Fun. I feel like I could talk to you forever. I feel like I could sit here and talk forever. Thanks to our producers, Jesse Karen and Kate Moldenauer at More Banana Productions. And of course, our luscious sound engineer, Logan Del Fuego. <gasps> it didn't work. Let me try it again. <laughs> Muy caliente, Logan. Muy caliente. <laughs> and of course, thank you to our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rams and on Instagram at Rams Emily. You cannot find Callie on the socials. No, no, so no. So don't even try. She's undercover. I like to lay low. But Jessica, wow. people can find you on the socials. Oh, yeah. I'm all over Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. At Jessica Lignato. And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash Pop-Tarts, where you can also sign up for our newsletter and we'll tell you what you should be watching uh-huh. if, in case you're not sure. Finally, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you rate and review us and then tell us your screen name, right, email us and say, I wrote this great review of you guys and we see that you did, you might get a subscription to Bust Magazine. You might. We'll consider it. (laughs) (laughs) It really helps us get the word out. We super duper appreciate it. Until next time.